0: if all you can do is go through the motions then go through the motions because god can honor that when we do all that we can do maybe it's all that we can do to go through the motions i'm sorry when i just sang another song take me back to where we started i opened my heart to you if we could just get back to where we started when we when we were born again when we accepted jesus as lord and savior and the weight of sin was lifted on us and the guilt of sin was lifted from us And that place was so pure. That place was so refreshing. That place was life-changing. I remember my father-in-law, when he got saved and filled with the Spirit, he came out of the meeting and he was saying, the trees are different, the trees are different, people are different. Everything I see is different. And everything was new to him. And his life was never the same. But sometimes we go through life and we lose that newness sometimes things happen in life that takes that newness away from us and it it loses its luster and just as the apostles were in the presence of Jesus and he blew on them and said be filled with the Holy Spirit and then when the church came under persecution they got in the room and they prayed for more of the Spirit and the Spirit filled them and there was a sound of a rushing wind and the building was shaken and they went out and they furthered the spreading of the gospel because they had more of the spirit to do the task that was set before them. So we have to have more of God. We, we need to never be satisfied with where we are. It's so easy to sit 20 years in the same place in the same chair under the same teaching in the same house in the same church and leave the same way and never be changed. That's easy. That's easy. But I don't, I don't want to accept apathy. I, don't, I want to reject complacency. I don't ever want to be the same. This isn't even in my message. <laughs> God's desire is that the anointing flows in us, on us, and through us. The anointing is not for us to roll all over the floor and laugh and cry. And all of that's good. And all of that's part of the Holy Spirit. Because our body can't stand still when the presence of God is all over it. We can't contain ourselves sometimes. And that's okay. But that's not what the Holy Spirit's for. The Holy Spirit is for saving souls, for building the kingdom of god and for furthering the spread of the gospel that's the whole purpose of the holy spirit to get us to a place where we can be effective servants and effective ministers to god you know if you want to serve god to that capacity sometimes you're able mentally but you're not able physically sometimes you're able physically but you're not able financially god wants us to get us to a place where we're able Able servants and workers for him, mentally, physically, financially, emotionally. He wants to get us healed. He wants to get us fixed. We don't have to stay broken. When I met Donna, she had a lot of health issues. She was a mess. No, I'm just kidding. She wasn't a mess. Praise God for her. She's an angel. But she had a celiac disease where whenever she ate bread, her stomach messed up. She had a pseudo tumor on her spine where it made her optic nerves bulge out and the eye doctor had found it. It would cause her head to hurt, migraine headaches. She had to have spinal taps to relieve her pressure because she was overpressuring. She didn't have no check valve or relief valve or something. So I don't know how all of that works. And then, then they found a spot on her brain and said she had multiple sclerosis. We started praying for the first one, celiac disease, and God healed that. When, when the report came back about the pseudotumor, we went to God and said, No, God, no, we, we reject that report. We don't believe that report. We believe the report of the Lord. She's healed in Jesus' name. And her eyes got better and the migraine headaches went away and she didn't have to suffer for that anymore. And then when multiple sclerosis came and the doctor said, Oh, all of these things is just a side effect for multiple sclerosis. David Hogan had came to church and prayed for her. She came sit in the seat beside me and she said, You know, when he prayed for me, I seen blue lightning. I said, You did? She said, I'm telling you, I seen blue lightning. And right after she said that, David Hogan went and got the mic. He said, I want you to know that sometimes when I pray for people, people see blue lightning. Exactly what she's seen. All of her symptoms went away after that night. She went back, got an MRI scan. The, The spot that was on her brain that they said was MS was gone. The doctor told her what was on the scan is not on the scan anymore. God healed her from MS. I'm telling you that that same spirit that same anointing, that same healing, is in this place tonight. That same Spirit, supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, is here with us tonight. In fact, if you're a believer, it's inside of you. If you're a believer, that same anointing is inside of you. The Spirit of Christ Jesus is inside of you. That brings us to Philippians 1.19. 1:19. Philippians 1:19. We're going to talk about putting a demand on anointing, placing a demand on the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about receiving the anointing and releasing the anointing. It's our responsibility to learn how to receive the anointing. And it's our responsibility to learn how to release the anointing into the lives of other people, into the lives of others into the lives of our loved ones, our family, our friends, our children, our grandchildren, when the need arises. Philippians 1 19, Paul was awaiting trial in Rome and he could have either been released or he could have been executed. It was a serious situation for him. But he knew that no matter what was to come, no matter what was to come with his situation, he was gonna take, take a bold stance for God and profess Jesus Christ, whether it meant him being executed. He was not gonna waver in his faith, no matter what the outcome was. He was putting a demand on the anointing. He was relying on the anointing. Philippians 1.19 says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us. That's what encourages us. That's what equips us. That's what gives us the ability to do what we do. That's what gives me the ability to be standing right here. Because two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, I'd be scared to death. Because my biggest fear was speaking in front of people but that's what gives me the ability because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. We can do anything we need to do. If you have the spirit, the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, that's enough. That's more than enough. So let's imagine we've been going through the desert. We we, we took off on a journey. Let's all go take off on a journey. Lace up your shoes. So we started on a journey, and the journey was going down this dirt road, and the dirt road turned into a desert. It was hot, and it was dry. We were walking, and our shoes filled up with sand. We got sand all over us. We had sand in places where sand shouldn't be. We had our, the to- our tongue was sticking to the roof of our mouth. Sweat was pouring off of us. It was so hot. Our skin was starting to turn red from the sun. We got to a place where we stopped sweating because all of the water was coming out of us. And off in the distance, we see a well. We see an oasis. It's an artesian well where they have cool drinking water, refreshing drinking water. So as we walk into the well, we could just imagine the water running over us. We could imagine the feel of the water in our mouth. We could imagine it loosen our tongue from the stuck to the top of the roof of our mouth going down. You know how, when you're real thirsty, you feel the water go all the way down into your stomach, this cool water. We can just imagine how refreshing it would be because we've been trekking through the desert all day long. So we get to the well and there's no bucket. There's no way to get the water down from inside the well. Or maybe there is a bucket and you just don't see it. The water in the well does us no good if we can't connect to the water. If we can't lower the bucket in the well and draw off the water, pull the water. We, we, we went through the desert seeking water, searching for water. We find the well and we can't connect with the water. We would die next to the well, an unlimited supply of water. If we don't find the bucket, well, the anointing is the same way. The anointing is an unlimited supply, and we have to connect to it. The water is not gonna jump out of the well and jump on us and jump in our mouth. We have to put forth effort to get the water out of the well. The anointing's the same way. We can't just go through the motions anymore. We can't just come to church and hear another message preached and walk out the doors and forget what we heard. I'm guilty of that. I don't even remember what I preach sometimes. <laughs> I know it happens. But we have to connect with the anointing. You may forget what I'm saying right now. You may forget what I'm preaching about. You may forget the scriptures that I gave during this message. It's on the website if you need it. But You'll never forget the anointing. You'll never forget the way God touched you. You'll never forget the way that we were in the presence of God this morning. That's things that you walk away with. That's things that you carry with you. The anointing. You carry that with you. We have to get the word inside of us, but we carry the anointing with us. Jesus' first miracle... We're talking about releasing the anointing, receiving the anointing, placing a demand on the anointing. Jesus' first miracle was when he turned water into wine. He went to the wedding feast and his mom came and told him, son, we have a problem. They ran out of wine. And he said, woman, it's not my time. My hour is not yet come. But she placed a demand on the anointing. In fact, it was a command. It was from his mama. And she probably cut him some eyes. And he said, okay. He said, get the vessels, six empty vessels, 30-gallon clay water pots, and fill them with water. The vessels are us. Donna talked about that in her abundant life teaching. We are made of clay. We have to be empty vessels. And he said, fill them with water. And the water represents the word of God. In Ephesians 5, it talks about the washing of the regeneration and renewing. That that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. The washing of the water. Paul was talking about the church. That it may be cleansed with the washing of the water by the word. So Water was associated with the word of God. Jesus said, fill the clay pots with water. So they filled the pots, the empty vessels, us, with water, the word. And as they drew the water out of the pots, it turned into wine. As we release the word of God inside of us, the anointing flows from us into the lives of others, into the lives of others. It was the best wine. It was for the wedding guest, for the guest of the feast. It was the best wine. The anointing is the best wine. There's nothing to compare with the anointing of God. In Titus 3 5, if we could put up Titus 3 5. <laughs> okay. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, the word washes us. When when we become saved, when we ask Jesus into our life, we begin a process of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. We're created to be new. One of my friend's pastor told him, he said, I'm going to shine you up. I'm going to polish you up. And he started giving him new clothes and new shirts. Well, he didn't realize not only was pastor making him look good when presentable in church, but the Holy Ghost is shining him up. The Holy Ghost regenerates us and renew us. It takes away those character flaws, those problems that we're going through, the, the vices that are holding us and starts changing us into a person that looks more like Christ. What's stopping us from receiving and releasing the anointing? We have to know what's stopping us. Are we drawing it to us like dipping a bucket into a well? Tonight, we're going to find the bucket. We're going to fill the bucket. And we're going to flow out of the bucket. We're going to pour the bucket out. But first we have to know that the well is ours to drink from. If we'd have came up on that well and we didn't know that we had permission to get a drink, we would have been hesitant to drink. We'd have thought maybe if we tried to drink, we'd have been in trouble with the owner. God wants you to know that the well is yours. The anointing is yours, the supply is yours, the bucket is yours, the rope, the crank to lower the bucket down, all of that is ours jesus died that we can have the holy spirit he went back to heaven he said it's better for me to go back to the father that the holy spirit comes and he he said i'll go back to the father and send you a helper a comforter a paraclete in the greek someone who can complete you in every way someone who can hold you up who can work through you to do things that you can't do on your own so the well is ours we have permission to drink from the well in the bucket we have to know about what it takes to dip into the anointing what does it take to to put a demand on the anointing what does it take to draw the anointing to us don't we don't want to come and just go through the motions we want to press in we want to be that person that comes up and gets everything that god has for them and then we need to know when and where to pour the bucket out when and where do we pour the bucket out we pour the bucket out whenever a need arises whenever we're in the situation if you're a believer and have the anointing in you then you're totally equipped with every spiritual gift that you need at an appointed moment if you have the holy spirit inside of you if you ask jesus into your heart and he filled you with the holy spirit then you have everything you need to know anything in the word and operate in any spiritual gift at an appointed time. My father-in-law, again, using him as an example, and I mentioned this already, he couldn't read. He had a third-grade education. He had to go to work on the river all of his life, so he never was able to really learn how to read. He tried to read the Bible. He did the best he could, and God helped him through some of it. But he would go out and cut grass, and I told him, whenever you're cutting grass just pray in the holy spirit donna mentioned that to me today she said you cutting grass before church i said that's my prayer time i'm cutting grass but i'm in the spirit i'm in the anointing i'm praying as i'm cutting the grass and he came in crying tears i thought he was sweating but he was crying tears rolling down his face and he said the spirit of god spoke to me i said he did what did he say and he quoted like a whole chapter out of revelations and i was like what And he couldn't even read, but God had spoke that to his heart. So if we filled with the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need. It says, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring us back to remembrance the things that we need. We don't even have to prepare what we're going to say. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you fill us up tonight. Fill us up, Lord God. You know, if I have a bucket that I want to fill, I want the bucket full. I don't want a half-filled bucket. I don't want to be a half-filled bucket. And if you're pessimistic, it may be a half-empty bucket. (laughs) But, Lord, we just bind the spirit of pessimistic thinking in Jesus' name. I want to be a full bucket, overflowing, running over. We, We heard of supply and demand. And demand... Dictates the value of the supply. If there's a greater demand, the supply is worth more money. It also dictates how much of the supply can be produced efficiently. But the greater the demand, the greater the supply. The less demand, the less the supply. But in the spiritual realm, the supply is unlimited. There's no limit on the anointing of God. There's no limit on the supply. You're not limited to how much you can have. You can have all you want to have. How much do you want to have? It's up to you to determine how much of the anointing that you want, by how much you want it, by how much you press in, by how hungry you are for it, by how thirsty you are for it. The Bible says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, So my soul panteth for you, Lord God, as a deer that's running through the woods, just like we talked about to the well we were tracking through the desert as a deer running through the woods, pants and his mouth is dry and he pants for the water brook. That's how we have to desire the anointing. That's how we have to desire the Holy Spirit. As we talked about earlier, the presence of God is here tonight. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. There's a bucket of anointing for everything that you're going through. There's a supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus for everything you need. And everything you need is found in the anointing, in the presence of God, in the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, in the reservoir, in the storehouse. Storehouse is another word for supply in the Greek. Everything you need is found in the presence of Jesus. It's so quiet in here. Man, y'all quiet tonight. There's a bucket of anointing for healing. If you have a headache, if you have a backache, if you have a sciatic nerve that's causing you problems, if you have a knee that's causing you problems, if you have a shoulder that's causing you problems, if you have a disease, if you have an incurable disease, if you have infirmities, God is big enough to heal that. I've seen people healed of cancer. Donald has been healed of cancer. I've seen people, Donna's been healed from multiple, this is just the first row, (laughs) multiple sclerosis. I had a broken arm. God healed my broken arm and in three days it was broken. I was laid up in the hospital. God healed my arm. I went home that night at church. I couldn't lift it off of my body. I went home that night and played the drums. I carried my book sack to school with my broken arm. Nobody believed that I was out of school for a week and had a broken arm. They thought I was playing hooky. But it was broken. But God healed it completely. The the physical therapist, when I went back moving it, she said, Isn't your arm supposed to be in a sling? I said, God healed it. She said, she flipped through a chart. She said, Well, I guess God did heal it. I had ligament damage, tendon damage, cartilage damage. It was broken in three places. I had two pins, wires, and staples in it. A chain of a cane truck is nothing to mess with. Sugar cane truck, a chain was hanging over the side. I was going one way, he was going the other. The chain swung out and slapped my arm that was sitting on the window. Worst part about it, they had to cut my brand new shirt off to get it. <laughs> God, God is good. God, there's nothing that God can't handle. You may win the bat, you may lose the battle at hand, but you've won the war. The enemy may be surrounding you, but God is surrounding the enemy. There's nothing that God can't handle. There's a bucket of anointing for financial provision. Chris, you're going to get what you need for tomorrow. There's a bucket of anointing. It may be electric bill. It may be the house mortgage. It may be a car note. Because God wants you to be free to work effectively as a minister to build his kingdom. He doesn't want us to be pressed down. He doesn't want us to live in poverty. A lot of people think that if you're a Christian, if you're a pastor especially, you've got to live in poverty. We don't believe in poverty. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the donuts. <laughs> There's an anointing for breakthroughs. We need breakthroughs. It could be uh, relationships. It could be favor on the job. It could be salvation of loved ones that we're pressing in, that we're praying for and praying for. It could be doors that are in front of us that we are believing God to open up. God has an anointing for breakthroughs. There's a bucket of anointing for breakthroughs. For deliverance. It could be vices bondage lifestyles sin god can deliver us from breakthroughs just from being in the presence of the holy spirit god's delivering us right now as i'm preaching tonight there's some sins that are being shaken off there's some chains that are being broken tonight as i'm preaching there's some things that you'll never go back to some sins that are breaking free from us tonight some vices some bondages chains are being broken we serve a chain breaker by the anointing of the presence of God. I tell you, the presence, the anointing is so strong. I remember back years ago, and I was struggling in something. I was working in the sound booth, and the worship leader was, was prophesying that chains were being broken. Chains were being broken. And I was being ministered to, and I almost went out in the sound booth. And God broke something off of me, and my life was never the same. There was things that God set me free from that night particularly that I never went back to and my life was never the same you don't have to come up here and have hands laid on you if you're in the presence of God God can minister to you while I'm preaching right now there could be healings taking place in your body while I'm preaching right now God has anointings for homes that are in crisis there could be chaos there could be physical abuse There could be lies. There could be marriages that need to be healed. There could be a lot of fear and and contention and stress and turmoil. Wayward kids. God has an anointing and a presence to take care of all of that. And he can change things in an instant. God's anointing, the well will never run dry. The well is deep. The anointing, I heard someone say one time that the Bible is so shallow that a new believer can wade in and swim around. And it's so deep that the theologians can dive in head first and never touch bottom. The anointing is the same way. The anointing is so powerful that new believers can get just a taste of it and be satisfied. And people that have been saved for 30, 40 years can never get enough of it. The anointing. We have to receive the anointing. We have to release the anointing. We have to know that the anointing's for us and it will never run dry. Ephesians 4 4 8 says that Jesus gave some gifts unto men. You can put up 11 and 12. And 11 and 12 says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the edifying, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, God placed the anointing in the fivefold ministry, but not only in the fivefold ministry. And God didn't give the anointing to men. He gave gifts unto men. He gave the anointing to all of us. God doesn't place the anointing on people to elevate people to exhibit people to glorify a man god didn't give the anointing to glorify a man god gave the anointing to bring glory to a man through a man he gave us the anointing by men to bring glory to a man through a man but all of these gifts of the spirit the fivefold ministry, the working, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. All of these are the same spirit. It's the same anointing. It's the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us. The same spirit that rose Lazarus out of the grave lives inside of us. The same spirit that split the Red Sea lives inside of us. The same spirit that brought the animals on the ark two by two and closed the door lives inside of us. The same spirit That when God spoke, let there be light, lives inside of us. It's the same anointing, the same spirit. And he gave gifts unto the men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. For the working of the ministry. For the edification of the body of Christ. For our benefit. The apostles have certain gifts and certain talents. But they're different than the evangelists. The evangelist has the certain gifts and certain talents but are different from the apostle. But it's the same spirit that supplied the gifts. The prophet has certain gifts and abilities that are different than the evangelist and apostle. And the teacher is different than all of them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. All of them are different. But it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that lives inside of us. When we see the five-fold ministry in action... That's an amazing thing to observe. But we have to know that that same spirit that's working through them can can and will work through you if we press in for it because it's inside of us. We have that same ability. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who lives inside of us. We just have to press in. We have to find our place, find our pocket in the body of Christ, find our place in the body of Christ, press in and allow, allow God to use us Allow God to work through us. We're going to talk about how to receive the anointing. How do we receive the anointing of God? What does it take to receive the anointing of God? Our attitude has to be right, our focus has to be set, and our heart has to be ready. Those three things we need to do to get in the right mindset to receive the anointing of God. Our attitude has to be right. We have to be humble, not proud, not boastful, not arrogant. We have to be teachable, able to be taught. We have to be faithful, with what God gives us, not wavering, not, not, not on some days and off some days. We have to be consistent. And then we have to come with ante- anticipation and expectation. We have to be hungry. We have to be ready. And then our focus has to be set. We have to be aware of what God's doing around us. We have to be vigilant in a sense. Just like a person going to their car at night, if they're not vigilant, if they're not looking around to see what's going on around them, they could be a victim of a crime. They could stumble and trip over something. We have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be ready to be in the presence of God. We have to acknowledge. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on all of on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him we have to acknowledge that God that we're in the presence of God in everything we do and everywhere we go I think back when Thomas was saying he was in the parking lot of Walmart and he pulled next to a truck and the guy got out all mad and wanted to fight him and he said he just started praying and then the guy broke down crying and hugged him because the anointing because the presence of God changes the situation and circumstances that you're in. But Thomas acknowledged that. Thomas knew that, okay, this is when I need God, right now, because this guy's going to beat me up. <laughs> he was Thomas is this big and this guy was this big. But how big is God? How big is God? We have to be faithful and available. We have to be prayed up, as Jude 20 says, prayed up in the Holy Spirit. We have to be prayed up and ready. And then our heart has to be ready. We have to have a pure heart. We have to be empty vessels, as Donna said. We have to come ready to receive. We have to empty ourselves, all of the things inside of us. We can't come to church with things on our mind that distract us, that take our focus away. We have to come ready, hungry, thirsty, with anticipation, desiring. We have to know that we have a spiritual deficit that needs to be filled we have to know to receive the anointing you have to be like a squeezed sponge you take a sponge and you squeeze it and you squeeze all of the air out of it all of the things inside of it and then you submerge it underwater. And when you release the sponge, it wicks all of the water. It wicks everything around into the sponge. And the sponge is completely saturated, completely filled. We need to come ready. We need to come to God like a squeezed sponge. When, when, we, when, so we, when There's a cliche, I guess. We say, oh, yeah, I was just like a sponge receiving everything. But really, think about it. Come like a squeezed sponge, pressing into what God has for us that's the anticipation part and it doesn't have to be come to the altar it could be sit in the pew like a sponge and receive all of the words that the man of God is saying when when pastor Eduardo was here even though he had an accent but I I caught the accent because it wasn't far from Cajun but you know I was like a sponge. I wanted that fire for evangelism, that passion for evangelism that he had, and I got it. But that's what we need in this church is a fire for evangelism because we're a new church just starting, and God's going to grow us. I'm believing for five new families by the end of the year. I told pastor that's my goal, to at least get five. Five is not a big number. We, can have, we have one new family tonight. Y'all can stay. Y'all from Georgia, right? Yeah. We're glad y'all are with us. Um, but But we have to come ready. We have to come like a squeezed sponge. By positioning ourselves in a place to be used with the right attitude, the right perspective, and the right posture, we're able to be vessels to release God's provision. We have to be ready in season and out of season. Sometimes we don't feel like coming to church. Sometimes we don't feel like praying for the lost. Sometimes we don't feel like going out and evangelizing. Sometimes we don't know when we're going to be used, but we have to be ready. Sometimes we don't feel like ministering to that person that that just went through something, and they're knocking at your front door. Sometimes we don't feel like holding the person that's crying and finding out what's going on, would ruin their day. But we have to be ready because God's inside of us wanting to flow out of us, wanting to change that situation, that circumstance. So we have to be ready in season and out of season. Jesus gave us permission to pour out our bucket. He gave us permission in Matthew 28 verse 19, which is 18 and 19 the great commission you can put it up it says and jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and jesus gave us all of that authority by power of attorney we can use his name says go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo I'm with you always till the end of the age God's authority God gave us his authority to pour out our bucket to release the anointing into the lives of others at any time any situation any circumstance We have the anointing of God inside of us, a God that's bigger than anything that we can ever think of. And it's our responsibility to release it into the lives of others. He gave us authority to release it into the lives of others. Last weekend when we had the service, it was a mock service for the Monday night service. Donna and I were over sitting people. That sounds like easy job, right? You go tell a person that sat in that same chair for 20 years that they have to sit on that side of the room. That doesn't go over well with that person. We had, I think, maybe six people that really gave us some resistance. Two just objected completely. They said, nope, I'm not doing it. But Pastor told us, he said, it's okay to use my name. He said, you go to that person and you say, Pastor Butch LeBove had asked us to seat people in these areas so we can be prepared for the big service Monday night and most people that were hesitant at first that rejected us at first that gave us opposition when we used pastor butch lebove's name they complied it was like a uh having a policeman with a gun almost you know if he got that gun on his side or he's got that badge it's not just him that you're arguing with it's the whole police force and if that doesn't work they'll call out the national guard and if that doesn't work they send it in the marines but but it's the power in the name of Jesus that we have. It's the authority that Jesus gave us to go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus and teaching them to observe all things. He says, I've given you the power and authority to lay hands on the sick, to, to, to cast out devils, to raise the dead. He's given us these things. Let's look in John 14, 12. John fourteen twelve. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who, do we have anybody in here that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God, died and rose from the dead? Okay, that makes altar call really easy. (laughs) So if we believe in him, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So if we believe in God, not only do we have the authority to do the works, But we have the ability to do the works. There's only one thing missing. God spoke to me while I was thinking about this earlier. I'm feeling him right now. There's only one thing missing in the equation. It's like a chain hooked up to a locomotive fixing to pull the cars. There's one link missing. That link is obedience. That link is the yes. Saying, yes, Lord, I will. That's the link that's missing. Without that one link, the chain can't pull the course. Without that one link missing. So we have to be yes people. We have to be obedient to the call. We have to be obedient to God's word to release the anointing into the lives of others. It's easy to receive because that benefits us. But we receive not just to benefit us. We receive to benefit others as well. So we have to have the right attitude, the right perspective, the right posture, and we'll be, we, will be a, we will be vessels able to release and receive God's anointing. Receive and release God's anointing. This is called placing a demand on the anointing. This is called pressing in. This is called receiving with anticipation. It's called being a sponge. We need to be in this mindset, this perspective, this place. I'm telling you that your faith will put a demand on the anointing of God. Your faith will place a demand on the anointing of God. And I want to give some examples of placing a demand on the anointing of God. Let's look in Luke chapter eight, verse 40. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had only daughter about 12 years of age. She was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood was stopped and jesus said who touched me when all denied it peter and those with him said master the multitudes thronged you and press you and you say who touched me but jesus said somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. And then when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, fell down before him and declared to him in the presence of all the people that the reasons she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. You see, there was a woman who pressed through the cro- through the crowds. She, she was unclean. She had a flow of blood for 12 years. And she pressed through the clock, the crowds. She pushed aside the persecution just to touch the hymn of him. Just to touch his him. Just to touch him. I want to know if anybody here tonight has come to touch him. Because there's loved ones at home, there's friends, there's family that just wanna to touch the hem of somebody that touched him. They just want us to sometimes we have to bring jesus to people sometimes we have to bring the anointing to people i know pastor david hogan came and he prayed over the cloths and he prayed over the coats some people threw their wallets up he prayed over the wallets i didn't find out about it that till after but he prayed over things and he believed that the anointing was tangible i threw my handkerchief on the altar i actually brought one from home and I threw it, and he prayed for it. My dad had had a stroke. He was 76 years old when he had the stroke. I think this was about when he was maybe 78. He couldn't talk at all. He, he was totally dependent. And I put it on his head, and I laid my hands on it, and he got slain in the spirit immediately. And My mom started crying, and I asked her. I stopped praying. I said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, he's never been slain in the spirit before. He'd been saved for years but God never touched him so strongly and after that he started kind of trying to make sentences and and you could see God working in him I never seen my dad so strong in the spirit the last years of his life the Bible says even though our outer man perishes yet the inward man is renewed day by day I've never seen God my dad so strong totally dependent on other people couldn't speak, couldn't walk, couldn't dress himself, couldn't get in bed, couldn't get onto the toilet, couldn't get out of his chair by himself. But he was never so strong spiritually. And it spoke volumes to me. So the woman, she pressed through the crowd, and all of these people were pressing on Jesus. He was like a celebrity walking through a crowd. All of them were pressing on Jesus. They were touching him. And he said, who touched me? And the apostles said, what do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody has their hand on you. Everybody is pressing on you. How can you even say that? They probably rolled their eyes. And he said, no, somebody touched me. It was a touch different than the other touches. There was something about that touch that was different than every other hand that was laid on Jesus. And what was it? It was the demand. It was the person pulling the water out of the well it was a different touch and he said I felt virtue flow out of me when we come ready to receive when we come with anticipation when we come in dire need and in desperation when we come and he's the only person that can resolve our situation virtue is going to flow out of him virtue is going to flow out of him and the woman was healed The woman was healed and knew that she was healed because the bible says the flow of blood stopped she knew that she had been touched we know when god touches us it's not a question when god gave me that word this morning sometimes god gives me words that he wants to share i don't have a question of lord is this you no if i don't share that i'm gonna die that's how i feel like a fire inside of me and there's no question this is from god I have to share it or something bad's going to happen to me. It's just I start shaking on the inside if that makes any sense. And it's almost painful. It's so strong. And, and God says you have to release it. You have to release it. Release what I've given you. Because we have to be faithful with what he gives us. Because if we're not faithful with the little things, he won't trust us in the big things. So we have to be faithful in the little things. And the first time I gave a word in church, I knew I was going to die. I was like, oh, this is scary. This is scary. But it's that link, that one link of, yes, Lord, I will. Obedience will stop the train. That one link hooked from the locomotive to the rest of the cars, that link of obedience, that link of, of, yes, Lord, I will, will stop the train. Let's look at the two blind men. Matthew 9 verse 27 to 30. This is just a few verses. Three verses. Matthew chapter 9 verse 27 to 30. But I believe this is my favorite story in the Bible. I've gleaned so much off from this story. And this is the only story in the Gospels that this particular two blind men were healed. It's not shared in Mark, Luke or John. Or any of the other gospels it's just found in matthew it says when jesus departed from there two blind men followed him crying out saying son of david have mercy on us and when he had come into the house the blind men came to him and jesus said to them do you believe that i'm able to do this and they said to him yes lord Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. This story has so much meat in it, so much things that encourage us. It's a story of three main characters. Jesus exemplifies love. Jesus is love, but Jesus exemplifies love. And the two blind men place a demand on the anointing. Through their desperation and their unstoppable faith, they place a demand on the anointing. In verse 27, where it says, two blind men followed him crying out, son of David, have mercy on us. It wasn't uncommon to see blind men in those days. Just as the apostles said, Were they blind because of their parents' sin? You see, blindness was passed down through childbirth from a disease that the mothers often carried because of sin and because of lack of medical expertise in those days. So it wasn't uncommon to see blind men in those days. So these two blind men were perceived to be blind because of the sin of their parents. So the community rejected them it set them aside, it, it it looked down on the blind men, so it wouldn't give them any help. So they were in a desperate situation. They were blind and nobody would help them. So oftentimes they paired up, so you would have two blind people together because they would help each other. And Jesus was speaking in one parable and he says, just as the blind lead in the blind, one falls into the ditch. This probably happened often. It's true because nobody else would help him. So the blind would get together and they would try to lead each other around the best that they could, which wasn't good. So they would end up in a ditch. So these blind men were in a desperate situation and they were crying out to to God, to Jesus. They said, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, the Jews believed that the Messiah, the Savior, would come from the lineage of King David. So when the blind men cried out, Son of David, they were claiming the well. They were saying, this is my well. This is the well that was promised to bring life to the Jews. This is the well that was prophesied that all of the messianic prophecies were given. He's the Son of David. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. So they were claiming it to be theirs. They were claiming it to be theirs. In Romans chapter one, Paul was telling the Romans, he said, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he was declared the son of the flesh because he was the seed of David. Jesus was 100% man, and he was 100% God. But he was the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, because he came from the lineage of David. So this is what the blind men were doing. They were claiming him as the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on us. And they were crying out with all of their heart because they were desperate. And it's a desperate cry that moves the hand of God and reaches the throne of heaven. And they were crying out, son of David, have mercy on us. And everybody around them was saying, hush, hush, shut up, shut up, hush. Jesus had just came back from a missions tour. If you read, go back and read the chapter before Matthew 8, is when he healed the the, the daughter um, where he said, Tabitha rise. He also went to the garden of gardens where he cast the, the demon out of the demoniac and it went into the pigs. He had went across the sea, came back. He was going to Peter's house and they were going to rest. And here were these blind men, a day, Jesus's day never ended. It was always about ministry. It was always people pulling on him, pulling on him, pulling, putting a demand on the anointing. So these blind men are saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he kept walking. The Bible says, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Why didn't he stop? Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't stop? What would happen if Jesus answered all of our prayers immediately? I think sometimes Jesus tests our faith and wants to know how much do we want it. How much do we want this healing? How much do we want this breakthrough? How much do we want this deliverance? How much do you want more portion and anointing from God? Jesus, is, Jesus tests us sometimes to find out if we really want it. So he kept walking to the house and he went inside. And they came and they knocked at the door. And Jesus opened the door and welcomed them in. You see, God's door is always open to us. We have direct access to the throne. It says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, where we obtain mercy and find grace in the help of in, in the time of need. The door is always open. The veil was rent in two, and we have access into the holy of holies. So the blind two blind guys went in. And. Excuse me, I need to find one thing I wanted to touch on. The blind men knocked on the door. They asked God to heal them and they received the healing. The Bible says, knock and it shall be opened. Ask and it will be given. Seek and ye shall find. So they actually exemplified this. And then as they went in, Jesus asked them, he says, do you believe I'm able to do this? And he didn't ask them, how much money do you have in your pocket? He didn't ask them, how's your reputation in the community? Are you a pretty good person? Jesus didn't even ask them, how many sins have you committed today? All he asked was, do you believe? That's all Jesus wants is us to believe. All he wants is us to have faith that he can do what he needs to do on us, in us, and through us. All he wants us to do is believe. But yet sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. I think sometimes we're our worst hindrance to receiving the anointing, to receiving the breakthrough, to receiving the blessings, to receiving the favor. Sometimes we, our mind, Is the the wall between us and God, the door that's closed in front of us? How many times have we stopped at a closed door and God wanted us to push on and press through? And he would have opened that door. But yet we hit a closed door and we stopped pressing on. We stopped praying. We stopped believing. We may have backslidden. How many times have we hit that door and turned around? Sometimes the problem isn't with our perspective, it's with our position. The problem isn't with our perspective, it's with our position. It's not the problem of us seeing clearly. See, the blind men were blind, but they had perfect sight, spiritually speaking. They knew exactly that Jesus was the only one that could heal them from their situation. They hungered and thirst for that healing. They knew Jesus was the Son of God from the lineage of David, and they chased after him, and they pushed on past the closed door, the obstacle that was in front of them. But sometimes our problem isn't the way we see things, it's the position. If, let's just say Donna's my problem, which Donna's not a problem. Anybody that knows Donna knows that there's no problem with Donna. Donna's perfect in every way for me. She's sent by God to me. But let's just say Donna's a problem. Well, I see Donna as a problem, and the problem's big compared to my hand. And all I can think about is the problem. I wake up thinking about the problem, which I do. I think about Donna all the time. I wake up thinking about the problem. I see the problem while I'm working. While I'm at lunch, I'm thinking about the problem because I see it, because it's big. When I go to bed at night, I'm thinking about the problem, and the problem's always there. But let's say my hand is God, is Jesus, is the anointing, is the bottomless well with unlimited supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. From this point, the problem is bigger than my hand, which is the anointing. But as I change my position, not my perspective, not the way I'm seeing things, as I change my position, okay, now God just got bigger and I could see less of the problem. Let me change my position again. Wow, my problem just went away. All I see is God. All I see is the anointing. All I see is the power of the Holy Spirit. All I see is God's provision for my finances. All I see is God's provision for my deliverance, from any vice, any bondage, any chain. All I see is God's healing power flowing through my body. I don't see cancer. I don't see AIDS. I don't see broken bones. I don't see kidney failure. I don't see diabetes. I don't see multiple sclerosis. All I see is the anointing of God. All I see is Jesus. We have to change our position. We have to change the way we see God. How big is our God compared to our problem? God is big. God can handle anything that we're up against. Jesus said to the two blind men, according to your faith, be healed. According to your faith. He didn't say, receive your healing proportional to your faith he said receive your healing because of your faith if you would only have the faith of a mustard seed you could speak to that mountain and say move he said receive your healing because of your faith it's because of our faith that god heals us it's because of our faith that we receive the touch from god it's because of our faith that he pours the anointing into us when we just ask for it and their eyes were open Could you imagine the excitement that their eyes were, these were blind from birth. They they would walk around town falling in ditches. They would walk around town and the community rejected them and knew them as blind men. All of their life they were blind. They were blind kids, they were blind teenagers, they were blind young adults, they were blind old adults. They were blind, they were off in the corner, they were rejected and God healed them. Can you imagine the excitement in that room? I know it wasn't us personally that got healed. And we didn't know the blind men. And they weren't family members of ours. But God, can you imagine how exciting? Let's give Jesus a hand. Come on. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for healing the two blind men. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you, Lord God, that you're going to finish the work that was started until the day that Jesus returns. Lord, we thank you for it. Another example of placing the demand on the anointing is found in Luke 5, 17 to 25. I'm not sure if I gave you that one. I didn't. I'm going to read it. Luke 5, verse 17. It says, Now happened... A certain day he was teaching as he was teaching that there were pharisees and teachers let me put my glasses on hold on <laughs> now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of galilee judea and jerusalem and the power of the lord was present to heal them they were having a healing service at this person's house pharisees teachers of the law came and the power of god was present to heal them the bible says so they were receiving somewhat some of them then behold men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed who they sought to bring in and lay before him and when they couldn't find a way how they might bring him in because of the crowd they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before jesus they tore the roof off the house to get to jesus that's hunger that's thirst that's what i'm talking about i want to know if we got some people that's going to tear the roof off to get to jesus that's that is placing a demand on the anointing they tore the roof off nothing was going to stop them from getting to jesus and then the bible says um And when they, let's see, when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. He said, man, that's what the Bible says, right? Man, look at that faith. That's what Jesus says when we press in like that. He said, man, look at Chris. Look at Chris's faith. Come on, Chris. Heaven's cheering us on. We have a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. Man, look at that faith. So it says, your sins are forgiven you. Wait a minute. He came to Jesus to be healed, and Jesus forgave him of his sins. That wasn't what he was expecting. I think his heart probably dropped. Okay, Lord, yeah, I do need forgiveness, but, you know, I came for healing. God doesn't always do things the way we think he's going to do it or the way we perceive he's going to do it or the way we want him to do it. But this had to be done because he wasn't the only one there. There were Pharisees, there were teachers of the law that was in their presence and Jesus had to do something to expose their heart. He had to do something. So he played a little mind game, that's what he did. So it says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It was okay for Jesus to miraculously heal people but they wouldn't accept him forgiven sins because by their ceremonies and rituals and religion, they had their own way to forgive sins. They had their own way. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just the little white lies. But Jesus perceived their thoughts and he answered and said, why are you reasoning in your hearts Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house. He walked out the front door. He came in the roof, but he walked out the front door, leaping and dancing and shouting because God healed him because he came faithful, he came hungry, he tore the roof off the place to get to Jesus. There are many other examples in the Word of God about placing a demand on the anointing. God moved with compassion on situations, but when God moved, that person was drawing Jesus to him out of desperation, out of hunger, out of thirst. It wasn't just happenstance. There are also some examples of lack of demand. The Bible talks about the widow that Elijah went to. There were many widows in the days of Elijah, but Elijah was only sent to one widow in Zarephath of Sidon. Sid- Sidan? Sidon? One widow. One widow, widow. He was sent to one widow, widow. One widow, widow. In the days of Elijah. In the days of Elijah there were many lepers but Elijah only cleaned one leper his name was Naaman. Why? Because there was a lack of demand on the anointing. When Jesus went to his own town in Nazareth his own people they said well that's just a carpenter's son he's not the son of God. Now the blind men claimed him. They said, Son of God, have mercy on us. But here they were saying, that's not Son of God, that's the carpenter's son. So Jesus was only able to lay hands on a few sick people in Nazareth because of the lack of the demand. Because they didn't want to put their bucket into the well. Into the well. They didn't want to lower their bucket into the well of the anointing and pull up their healing and pull up their deliverance. And pull up their breakthroughs and pull up their blessing and pull up their favor and pull up their touch from God. Lord, Lord, give us the desire, the thirst, the hunger to let down our bucket into the deep well of your anointing that never runs dry, that's unlimited, that we own, that is for us. And let us receive what you have for us, Lord God. Glory to you, Lord. God's given us the opportunity these past couple weeks to hear some mighty men of God. Eduardo came and shared his heart and his testimony with us. His goal, his passion, his fire, his, his desire, his calling is to go to Costa Rica and open a church, and we're going to help him do it with everything that we can. We're going to send him provision, finances, resources to help him get that church going in Costa Rica. Because there's people in Costa Rica that need to hear about Jesus. They need to have the anointing. They need to to feel the presence of God. They need deliverance. They need breakthroughs. But we do too. We need it here just as much. Rodney Howard Brown came. And his... His goal was to activate 100 men in our area that'll rise up and have a spirit of evangelism and go out and reach the lost. He didn't tell us how to do it. He just wanted people who would wanna do it. He wanted people to put a demand on the anointing. He wanted people that were hungry and thirsty for souls. God's gonna give the how to those people. Everybody's different. Everybody does things different. God operates different through different people. God sends different people to different groups but they had one thing in common. They had the desire, they had the hunger and thirst to be used, to be obedient to God, to be the yes link that puts the chain together and enables the train to pull the cores. So tonight we talked about receiving and releasing the anointing. What stops us from receiving the anointing and releasing the anointing? Our position, our perspective, our passion. Is it at the level it needs to be? We know that we're the bucket. We are what's to be filled. We're the vessels. We have to come empty and allow God to fill us with his word and fill us with his spirit so we can be poured out just as the vessels at the wedding feast were poured out. Water was dipped out and it turned into wine and it was given and it was the best wine. It was his anointing. So we know that we are the vessels to be used and we know that when is the time to pour out whenever there's a need in front of us because we want to be used by god we want to be faithful in the little things so we can be trusted in the big things and god's ready when there's a need and you're fully equipped if you're a believer and filled with the spirit of god so let's pray heavenly father we come to you tonight we thank you lord god that you're correct in our attitude our focus and our heart lord we need the right attitude we need to be humble we need to be desperate we need to be teachable Lord God Lord we need to be faithful not wavering anticipating and expecting a mighty move from you Lord we know that there are times when we get distracted things come in things steal our focus from you but Lord we ask that you give us clear vision of what you would have us to do a clear vision of your will for our life a clear vision of our place in your kingdom a clear vision of what you would need us to do in this appointed time a clear vision of you Lord God Lord let us see you clearly just as the blind couldn't see the physical but their spiritual eyes were open Lord we just ask that you open our spiritual eyes Make us aware of our surroundings. Make us vigilant, Lord God, always looking around for a need, always looking around to be used. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you that you're correcting our heart and making our heart hungry and thirsty, making our heart to where we know that there's a deficit that needs to be filled. Lord, we thank you, Father. I know earlier we said that Everybody in here believes that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and he rose. But I really want you to search your heart tonight. The altar is open. I'm going to have an altar call. But I want to know that if something happened and you wouldn't make it home, something happened and you went to bed tonight and you didn't wake up in the morning, that you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you would stand in front of God and he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We have to know that we're saved. We have to know that Jesus is Lord, that he died, that he rose, that he forgave us of all of our sins and that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west because his sacrifice was enough. He died for us. So with all heads bowed, if you don't know Without a shadow of a doubt. That if you died tonight. I want to pray with you. If you could just lift up your hand. If you could just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Praise your Lord. Okay. So everybody here is sure of their salvation. You may have been going through. There's second thing I want to talk to you about. You may be going through life and you feel that you're walking through that desert you feel that the sand is hot the sun is hot the atmosphere is dry your tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth and you're just tired of the things that life has thrown at you you may have backslidden you may have been saved on fire for God where we start at and have backslid away If you want to come back to God and rededicate your life and feel God's presence in your life again, feel the newness of salvation, the fire of God. God's a consuming fire, but He's also a cleansing fire. He's a refreshing fire.